Another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Ooh. Jim Bob Foley, holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop to the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the King's Herald and my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going? Will, it's going great. Jerry, hello. Uh, excited to, to spend an hour with you guys today. Yeah, <laughs> it might not be exciting to talk about, but I'm excited to be talking to you guys about it, you know? So, he's a uh, former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM and color analyst. GM for a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer. He's the tried pro, uh, uh, the true pride of uh, French like himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you guys. Uh, really, it, it's kind of a sad thing, though. It, this is a highlight of my week, which tells you <laughs> what kind of week I've had. But uh, anyway, so I'm, I'm really, really excited. Uh, well, I, I wish we had better things to talk about, uh, you know, at some point other than uh, Kings and, 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 their, and their winning ways or, or lack thereof. Uh, the Kings are 4-8 and eight in the Sabonis era, 2-4 and four since we last spoke. Losers of three straight at, at the time of this recording. They play the Jazz tonight. Uh, Jerry, Tony, just because I'm curious, is this what you expected record-wise when the Kings traded for Sabonis and company a little over a month ago? And do you, uh, do you think this is what the front office expected when they, when they traded for everybody? Well, you know, my take would be it's pretty much what I expected, you know, looking at the schedule. Uh, you know, I'm not saying I would have maybe thought they'd won an, an extra game somewhere, maybe. But uh, but overall, I, I'm not surprised by the record. I, I To your second point, I definitely think that probably the front office was expecting more. Uh, but again, uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's tough uh, you know, hitting the road running so to speak and and getting better uh, after trades like that so so no, no surprise from my end yeah like jerry said maybe you know they win one or two more games as far as my expectations go and they came a little bit below that i think again they probably are a little bit below what monty mcnair wanted i think you know people are like calling this a win now trade and there's a lot of debate about whether it was or it wasn't i don't think that's like the a perfect description for it it was a win the next two years trade that just happened to happen right now but i do think there is at least a small part of it where the kings would have liked to been uh deeper in the play-in conversation than they are right now they are kind of sort of falling out of it and i think their expectations the whole season even before the trade were to be in this race up until the end and while they still are technically i don't think anyone is is really predicting them to make it at this point you know, I'm curious. So we'll, we'll get to Fox and Sabonis in a second, but I feel like a lot of our ire should be drawn as a fan base, not necessarily ire, I guess, but like a lot of the, the, the talk should be about these other pieces that came in. I think Sabonis has played incredibly well in this time. I think Fox is back to being the Fox that we saw around this time last year. But some of the other pieces that got traded for, you know, Adante DiVincenzo, uh, Trey Lyles has been nice, but, you know, isn't, isn't getting consistent playing time. Some of these other guys, uh, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb's been injured a little bit. I feel like they're more than anything. When you trade a Buddy Heald, who for anything, he's a volume scorer. He will shoot as many times as you let him. Um, those are kind of the pieces that have been maybe a letdown to me. Is, is there any expectation for you, Jerry, that they – uh, any of these uh, other pieces would have played a little bit better? Well, I think you you uh, expected maybe that. I don't know who you expected it from other than uh, Dante. Uh, you know, really, he's probably the, the guy that uh, the Kings need to establish himself as a really good player. Uh, and he hasn't yet, you know, the effort is there. But so, uh, yeah, when you, when you do figure that, yeah, buddy, even though he played poorly for the Kings this last year, he played terrible. In fact, I thought, uh, but you knew he's a better, he's a good player. He's proven that in the past and, and he's playing pretty well for the Pacers uh, in a different, you know, different circumstance as is Marvin Bagley for the Pistons when, when he's available, same thing, but when he's available, he's pretty good. Uh, has been uh, decent anyway. So, so the, the, the truth is the, who the Kings got back other than Sabonis really have, has not been a factor uh, in my opinion, you know, not, you're just not sure other than, you know, Trey Lyles, uh, 
I, I liked when I've seen him, I would like to see him more consistent minutes. You know, he seems like a guy that plays within himself better than, than about anybody. Uh, but, but overall, I, I think you, you know, you've had a lot of pieces that probably aren't pieces you want around next year. And then I, so there's a, in my mind, there's a, a lot of pressure to find out if, uh, if Dante can, can be a player you can count on uh, as a, as a, a 30 minute player. Absolutely. Tony, what, what do you think about some of these guys, some of these other people on the roster and whether or not they've not necessarily been a letdown, but they just haven't pushed the Kings to where they should be or where they expected to be at this point. Yeah. I think that's actually a really good way to answer your first question, which is, you know, are the Kings kind of playing up to the front office's expectations? I would say Sabonis certainly is. And those other guys across the board are not, I think the most disappointing one has been Justin uh, holiday who has been a pretty solid shooter throughout his career. And for a team like the Kings who desperately need some outside shooting, some floor spacing in the starting lineup, they've been giving him a ton of minutes and he just can't hit anything right now. And, and, you know, who knows, he's not a great player anyway. So, you know, if you're not a great player, you're going to have fluctuating numbers and, and cold streaks and hot streaks anyways, but it's definitely unfortunate for the Kings and McNair that holiday is now in like a incredibly cold, streak shooting the ball. I think he's only shooting 28% from three and he's shooting almost seven of them a game. And he is their, their volume shooter in the starting lineup right now, unfortunately. And if you don't have that, um, that's gotta be disappointing for, for McNair and the Kings. Jerry, I'm curious as a former head coach, um, how much could you attribute that to just trying to get to know how De'Aaron Fox plays with the ball in his hands? I know we've got, I know he's playing with Sabonis who he's played with for a while now. So that, that should help him in terms of Sabonis knowing where he is in space and whatnot. But how difficult is it for a guy like like Holiday to get to learn where his spot should be with Fox on the floor? Well, I think there is an adjustment. There's no doubt. I think that's a good good question. Uh, you know, but I do. I think probably the better question probably you know for a 32 year old player, it's like uh, it's on you uh, a lot more. You know, I mean that's the reality. You know, he's been to the county fair. Uh, for you know, and and played with a lot of guys and and in a lot of situations. So, so I, I I'm just one of those people that's overall very disappointed, uh, you know, in him because as a 32 year old, uh, you know, if you're really looking down the road, it it just it looks like a guy that doesn't fit, as opposed to where certainly with Dante, uh, uh, you know, even Lamb, uh, Jeremy Lamb. I mean, there there's reason that maybe they could be better fits with more minutes and you need to find that out. So, so I, I just, uh, you know, and certainly Fox and Sabonis, uh, they played extremely well and Fox uh, to your point. I mean, he's, but, but I think his uh, playmaking has even gotten better that he's had the ball more. So at some point you, I don't know, I, I guess I, what I would say is if you're not making shots, it's on you. <laughs> you know you know if you're not making shots i don't know who else to blame yeah i think it's one of those things jerry where I, I, reality tells me the kings have blown games where they've been up 20 points i think they've blown two of them now in the sabonis era and and in very frustrating fashion but my eye as i squint the infallible eye test tells me that the kings are somehow some way playing better or at least fox and sabonis are playing well enough or 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 gel with each other well enough to kind of uh, be the rising tide that's raising some of these leaky old boats. And so I, I'm curious from, from a perspective of just, just those two guys, just from the, the two man core of Fox and Sabonis. Um, is it an encouraging thing to see Fox and Sabonis playing well together, even if the team is losing or, or is that something where I'm more huffing the silver lining here and I should be more disappointed that they aren't getting other people to, to play better with them. Well, I think you, you hit on it, but I, I'm probably like yourself a little bit. I, I'm encouraged by how well they're playing. And overall, Harrison, I mean, he's had, a, I thought, one game, a pretty poor game. But, but to me, it, it, that's therein lies your problem. And, and we just already talked about kind of you're really not getting much from the additions. Uh, yeah. But you've got three, in my opinion, and this is just an opinion, uh, three big legitimate starters that could be starters on a winner. I believe that three. Now that's the good news. The bad news, you don't have five and you don't, and, and, and you, you better get 
at least five. And, and then even maybe equally important, I'm not sure what you have is six, seven, eight, and nine. And uh, I guess from a from a wish category, I, I hope that the rest of the season uh, proves out to one or two guys, you know, look like guys and say, okay, we we you know they 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 at least can be valuable reserves, at least can be valuable reserves, and because I don't think any of them. Can there's nobody other than those three guys, in my opinion, and this is just an opinion. I want you all you writers out there to go berserk on me, uh, <laughs> but I just think they need much better, a much better guard that's currently available to play with Fox and a much better power forward than's currently available to play on that front line or a real gifted long three that you could, you could make it work that way. But uh, so that's it in a nutshell, fellas. Just get it done. <laughs> I'm curious in terms of attaining a, a fourth and fifth starter, Jerry. The Kings have a, a draft pick that should fall somewhere between five and eight, depending on 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 where the you know where they're most likely to land. They have Harrison Barnes, who could be if if need be, in, in case of a last resort, uh, a trade piece. And you've got somebody like uh, Davion Mitchell. Is that is are those three pieces in combination in some way or another enough to get a, a quality uh, fourth and fifth starter in the in the NBA today? Pro, I, I don't know. I mean, the problem I see I see with uh, trading Harrison is I don't think you can improve doing that. You right. know, I mean, it might help you three years down the road. Uh, and the key word there is might. <laughs> no guarantee of that. I mean, the guy's a good player. And he's probably as good now as he was three years ago and probably going to be as good for the next three years. Uh, so I, I just think he's a guy uh, to me, if I wouldn't, I really wouldn't trade him because I don't think you can get value. I, I mean, to me, it, 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 you can always trade Harrison Barnes because he's good and teams like him around the league. I know that for a fact. So, so you could always do that trade deadline if things aren't working with what else you do. But, uh, but I certainly, I wouldn't rule out, you know, uh, trading uh, Davion Mitchell or Holmes or, or anyone else on the roster. That's for sure. Uh, I think the draft, what little I've seen of it, looks like it's going to be a good draft, just like last year's was, uh, you know, where there'll be some productive players available. Uh, I guess what I would do and, and Tony and you guys probably have, I know a lot of the, a lot of the Kings Herald people probably have better ideas than I do, but I just look at things from the free agent standpoint. I mean, there's a couple of guys out there contractually that's going to be available that aren't making a lot of money. You know, the Bobby Portis, for instance, I think he'd be a perfect fit on this team, you know, and he's, he's got a player option. He's going to opt out at, you know, he's making four and a half million. So, you know, maybe a sign and trade, if not, you can't, you know, but, but I mean, just saying, and I know I'm glad I ain't working for King because be tampering, but that guy would be a perfect fit on this team. He can make threes. He's tough as a boot. Uh, you know, can play some center, which he's done for the bucks. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, that guy and, and maybe a, a free look, maybe you wouldn't have to pay too much to get a guy like Malik Monk, who I think is ready is getting close to being ready to being a real player. And now I'm not saying he will be because that's what you don't know, but, but that's the kind of chances I think you have to think about, you know, uh, where if you're going to get free agents, you're probably not going to get the big time ones, but you might get one that could, could turn into pretty damn good. Cause you've got the lucky part is you do have three really good players right now. And, uh, and so, and then the draft, uh, I think you'll get, a, you know, if you keep the pick, uh, I think you're, you, you're going to be in line. I think there's going to be a good players available, you know, maybe not needle movers, maybe not starters, but somebody that could at worst be a, a real valuable sixth, seventh man for, for a while while he's developing that sort of thing. So you're, so you could turn this thing, but I think free agency is going to be a big part of it. And whether it's just, you know, uh, not having to, go into the, you know, $30 million a year guys, but uh, free agency having uh, an eye for what you need and what you can get is probably going to be the key. I think that's a, I think that's a, a kind of a terrifying point for Kings fans, Jerry, only because we can expect to 
you know, oh, maybe we could get somebody in the draft. And, oh, maybe Monty McNair can pull, pull the trigger on a trade. But something that's remained consistent, fairly consistent, at least through Sacramento's tenure with the Kings, is that free agency has pretty much been ruled out as a way of getting real needle movers on the Kings. And so this year, as the expectation is that McNair could, you know, and I, I think I think you and Tony are both on the the Bobby Portis train, uh, you know, you, you know, and I, I just jumped on the caboose and I'm, I'm slowly climbing my way up to the front. But um, that's that's I mean, at least for, for me, Tony, I'll get your perspective on this now. Uh, free agency is always the scariest part of the three ways to build your team, especially when it comes to to the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I mean, Monty McNair is going to have to do what Monty McNair hasn't done yet, and that is convince free agents to come play for the Sacramento Kings. Like, that's been a weakness in the – I mean, Will, you lined it up. I mean, it's a it's a Kings history problem, but it is a, also a specific Monty McNair problem where he hasn't even been able to spend the MLE uh, once in his two off-seasons in Sacramento. It's just not been how he's build it, been building this team. You look at the players he brought in. Alex Len was a former King, brought him back. Uh, Mo Harkless, he just re-signed him from the end of last season. So getting going out and getting these guys has not been his strength, but the the clock is ticking now. We're in a, a very, I mean, we thought we were in a win now mode last off season, but this off season, I mean, it, all the, all the chips are in, like you got to start winning. One thing I'd like to, to see the Kings explore if they're going to maximize the assets they have is actually instead of trading their pick this year, because we can, we already kind of know it's going to be a, a high pick and there's some good players in this draft maybe explore trading next year's pick instead. So you're not removing one other piece that you have. Uh, cause I, cause the rookies, this year, I mean, I'm starting to fall in love with the rookie class as I do every year in March. Cause I'm starting to watch these guys finally like a true Kings fan. Yeah. A lot of guys I like in the top 10, but I think, you know, if you get one of a guy like Monk or Portis or Chris Boucher is like a deeper kind of option that I like as a guy who could possibly play next to Sabonis, but the, you, you land one good free agent, Maybe you do something with the Rashawn Holmes contract. Is Charlotte still interested in him? Can you get PJ Washington as a guy who might be able to fill in next to Sabonis? Maybe. But then using your pick for next year, along with whatever contracts you have to bring in something. And now you're you're sort of all in, but you want to be better next year anyway. So I feel much better about trading that pick that would hopefully be you know, ideally out of the lottery entirely than trading what you have this year, which is a very, very high uh, value pick. Gary, I'm curious. Um, do you feel like uh, Fox and Sabonis are enough of a draw for, for, you know, dragging a person like Bobby Portis to Sacramento or like getting people to, to come to Sacramento and believe in this team? I, I know there's been other, I mean, obviously there have been, there have been small markets that have been able to win championships off the back of free agents coming to town. It just seems to be a, a semi Sacramento problem here in that regard. Is Sabonis and Fox enough to, to start convincing people to a hey, Sacramento might be serious this time around? Probably not. I, I mean, I, I think we'd be you'd be foolish to kind of bank on that. I I think though that you know at some point for I say a Bobby Portis who has never made big money, uh, and how many teams have a lot of money available, and how many that that do have money available want Bobby Portis, you know, or Malik Monk. So I mean, we're talking about second level free agents. Uh, quite honestly, I mean, uh, to, to, to your point, I think is the, the real point is, yeah, is, is the Bradley Beal types are, are going to, you are, when they're free agents or whatever, are you going to get those? Well, no, you're not. Uh, although I think Bradley's overrated, but that's another story. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but I, I think if you can, you know, there's a point where players get, and I know this to be a fact in their agents is that they want to get paid. And, and so if you can provide more income for him <laughs> near, as he gets nearer, you know, to the middle of his career, uh, yeah, I think you have a chance. And that's what you have to come up with. You know, basically, uh, if they can get $8 million a year planned for Denver, or uh, are they going to come to Sacramento for $8 million? No. Uh, will they come to it for $10 million? In general, the answer is Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes <laughs> so that's uh that's that's a pretty much proven in history and and like i say i always say that that's why you know the best free agent the kings ever got in history was vladi divots and the reason they got him they paid him more money than anybody else was willing to pay mm -hmm. that's uh that's how it works <laughs> oh, and, and then, you know, and then, of course, the Rashawn Holmes thing. And I think that there's good reason that you would look to uh, to, to trade Rashawn and, and, 
and, and you use as a sign and trade or something like that, but that might also uh, fit in, you know, to where his contract might bring, make it work for someone that maybe you didn't have the money for. So, so I, I think those are, those are the kind of things that the team needs to approach. In other words, that's what I'm talking about. It's kind of the second tier free agents. I think, I think the Kings should, and, and, and with, and that's where they're lucky with Sabonis and Fox. And I mean, they've got, and, and, and Harrison, but with Sabonis, they're really good players. And uh, now you'd like to have a, a, a star game changer, but you're not likely to get that except through the draft or use the pick is as a combination of things. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm like Tony, I, I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't want to trade the pick this year. I think you could get, uh, unless you get, you know, if somebody wants to give you, uh, 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 you know, Desmond Bain or something, uh, you know, I think you'd have to think about it. Not saying you'd do it. I know people, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, somebody can get 20 a game. I don't know how bad that is. <laughs> start <laughs> starting tomorrow <laughs> so and, and young so so that kind of thing but uh so you know i'm rambling here but uh no, yeah no, I, no. I think i think the second tier thing free agency is, is something they've really got to research and, and really and i'm sure they they will they got enough people in the front office now to do all that and uh and i think i think you can i think you can strengthen your team that way and and they must because you can't you just can't start next year with the draft choice. That's it. Jerry, I had a question uh, and maybe this maybe I'm putting more stock into this than it's worth. But the other element to, to their free agency pitch, if you're the Kings, is that they're going to likely have a, a head coaching search this summer. Does showing more stability with a, a long-term head coach here, maybe a coach that has some relationships around the league, does that do anything in drawing players in, whether it's the, the guy they actually hire or just the fact that it's clear that a new regime is starting, you're getting a fresh start with a fresh coach, with a team that's trying to make it? It can. It can. Uh, now, it's also true that uh, it can work both ways. You can hire an established coach at a certain player that's played for him in the past or something, or agent, they don't like him. <laughs> like him. You know, I've always said that was a, uh, Quite honestly, a problem over the years I've ever with with uh, George Carl to some degree. Uh, you know, he had didn't have great relationship with a lot of different agents for different reasons and some players, of course, and uh, and so it's, so that that can work both ways. But but I th I think it's a valid point, though. I mean, I think you know you you know that agents are aware if it's a a, a coach that they feel like has a good chance for success. Uh, you know, the, then they're they're a little more inclined to say, but but I think really what they're looking for, I mean, a, really an agent. I know how some of these guys work. They're, they're basically looking for two things. An agent's going to make the decision. By the way, it isn't the player. <laughs> just just so everybody out there uh, kind of knows, it's going to be the agent, and they're looking for two things: the best, most money they can get, and the best opportunity to play and do well you know, the, the, the sure. positioning. And so, so, and really that's where the Kings, you know, certainly have the positions available. <laughs> they, they, they have that for the guys. So, you know, cause they're looking, you're they They'll be looking at not just the most money now, but, but what can my guy do there to help him make more money going forward? Uh, you know, it's kind of a Jeremy Grant thing uh, why he's in Detroit. You know, I mean, really that's exactly why he's mm -hmm. there. His agent wanted him there because they 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 knew he could uh, really put up better numbers, which he has, and increase his value, and he has. Tony, uh, just scooting back a little bit here, only to because I I wanted to give you a chance to talk about uh, De'Aaron Fox and his time, uh, pretty much since the Sabonis trade. Um, I, I know I'd asked you before the podcast to to. Uh, to, to dazzle us with his numbers and to really uh, press upon the point of how well uh, De'Aaron Fox is playing. Would you, uh, would you talk about him for a second only because I'd be remiss to, uh, to not discuss a guy that was in the conversation for a NBA player of the week last week? Yeah, sure. So I'll run down the numbers real quick since the Sabonis trade. Uh, 12 games, 28.2 points per game, 52% from the field. He's even shooting 36% from three on 4.7 attempts. 6.5 assists, 4.1 rebounds, just anecdotally, multiple games where he's looked like the best player on the floor. And 
not only that, like he's been so hot since the trade that he's brought his season field goal percentage right up to the breakout season he had last year where everyone finished the year talking about how he was the next guy, the guy ready to make a leap. Uh, the one thing that is concerning, and I'm not the first one to bring this point up, is that this has now become a trend for Fox where he pre-All-Star, if you, if you look at his splits pre-All-Star, his field goal percentage, his efficiency is, is down considerably, and he picks it up at the end of the year, unfortunately, when the Kings are maybe too far out of it to make any noise. Uh, we saw that again this year, and, and I know people have speculated maybe he was injured. Maybe the, the muscle he put on was actually weight because of off-season training gone wrong or the inability to work out because of long COVID or all these sorts of things. We don't know the details, but the, uh, the end result is, is another losing season for the Kings. So it's, it's incredible how De'Aaron Fox has played, and uh, it's nice that his play hasn't really taken anything away from Harrison Barnes or uh, Demontis Sabonis. So they have three guys that are all playing really well together. But for, for as well as Fox is doing at the end of this season, he can't start slow again next year. And this trend that has happened now for him in his last three years, where it's a pretty significant difference between his pre-All-Star and post-All-Star efficiency, that, that needs to change because the, the Kings can't keep uh, fighting from behind on every one of these playoff run seasons. Jerry, I'm curious. Do you think this is something where we're going to have the football pulled out from under us again for the millionth year in a row? Or do you feel like this is something that now that we have a, a presence in, in the low post that Fox can start a season next season strong and carry a season, maybe not as strong as what Tony just laid out for us, but carry a 26 point game uh, per game average through an entire season of play? Well, I do think this, I think Sabonis really benefits him in, in so many ways. Uh, you know, we, we've seen some of it, but I, I would tend to think that, that, uh, that this would not be the case going forward because uh, just because of that, I mean, with, with Sabonis able to set great screens for him, uh, certainly uh, get him, get him more shots uh, uh, to have a highly skilled big player, which Sabonis is highly skilled, big player. That's also extremely unselfish, maybe unselfish to a fault, in my opinion, needs to look for his own a little bit more, but, that benefits De'Aaron Fox more than anybody because, uh, uh, you know, he, he's always got, got a guy he can get the ball to and get it back in better positions. And he, and he hasn't had that. So yes, is that optimistic, uh, uh, talk from an old fool possibly. Uh, <laughs> uh I, but I, 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 I tend to think there's a chance that'll, that, that will work that way. Just to point out what Sabonis is averaging since uh, since the trade, he's up to uh, 17.4 points per game, 12.8 rebounds, and a 5.9 assists in Sacramento on a on a blistering 56.8% shooting. Uh, I'm curious, Jerry, as to as to how much uh, Fox in re in return uh, opens up the floor for a guy like Sabonis. I, I don't think he has much uh, yet. Mm. I think I think that will come with time. You know, and I think part of that is on Sabonis. You know, he, he really has been reluctant to take the perimeter shot, which he did in Indiana with, with success. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I always say his three-point shot hadn't looked good. I mean, not that he's a great three-point shooter in Indiana, but his three-point percentage over almost 600 attempts was almost identical to, to uh, Miles Turner. <laughs> you know, and people would be surprised to hear that. And and uh, so I, I, I think that his you know, as he goes and gets more comfortable, I think we'll see more of the, maybe the 15, 18 foot shots, which are there. They're just giving them to him. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, and I'd like to see that, but I, I, I guess to your point about, I don't think necessarily uh, Fox has helped him a lot yet, but he, but I think he will. It's not that he's done intend to, I don't think, you know, he's not a natural playmaker. He can make plays. And I think as he understands uh, how he can help, Sabonis with his how he breaks defenses down how that could help Demont Demontis I, I think that'll that'll work out going forward I think so I wanted to go into uh, uh Sam Amick um had an article this week that where he sat down and talked with uh Demontis Sabonis to discuss his transition from the Pacers to the Kings and pretty much everything else under the sun and I wanted to uh to read a question and then a quote uh from from Sabonis because this kind of got a some feathers ruffled a little, a little bit, Jerry, and I, I'm curious as to your opinion on this and, and to Tony's as well. I just happen to see Tony's on Twitter all week long. So, um, so um, Sam asked him, this was the, the very last thing that he, uh, he asked in the interview. 
Uh, you have two years left on your contract. What's your perspective on how this chapter with the Kings might fit for the long haul? And Sabonis replied, I'm excited. I'm excited about the whole journey. It sucks that we have that playoff drought, but the fact that we can be a part of something that can turn it around, you know, that's the goal. Come in and change the perspective of this organization, what people think. We're excited that we can be part of that and build it, you know? So I want to stay here as long as I can. Everything has to go well, but I'm happy here. It's awesome. The fans are great. I'm excited to see us do good. Now, Kings fans immediately latched on to Sabonis saying, everything has to go well in regards to his long-term future prospects in Sacramento. But Jerry, Jerry, Jerry uh, we've got 178 games to go before he's officially a free agent. Uh, should this come as a surprise that Sabonis is saying, yeah, everything's got to go well? No. Okay. No, what, what's, he, what's he supposed to say? <laughs> you know, uh, but as a potential free agent at some point, uh, he'd be foolish. He, you know, and his agent would be first to remind him. It's like, no, you, you you're not going to say, I'm going to stay here regardless, and then they can pay me less. And uh, if we don't win any games, under no circumstances will I leave. Well, that'd be stupid. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, that's, uh, you know, because uh, the next, you know, he, he's, he's going to have to look, but it's also true. He's the King's free agent. Uh, so, you know, there, there, there there's a, a, certainly a, a chance you could lose him. Uh, but, but generally speaking, it's if the best chance of losing is if you really don't want to keep him and pay him. It's, it's a, not a lot different than the Bogdan Bogdanovich or a bogey deal. If you didn't want to lose Bogey, you wouldn't have lost him. Yeah. But they decided they wanted to, they didn't, they didn't want to keep him. Okay. That's, but that's how it's going to, that's how it play out. Tony, you were a little bit more plugged into the Twitter side of things this week. Is Did I present that accurately? I think some of Jerry, just, just for a little bit of background, I think there was a tweet that the athletic put out that gave a snippet of that. And the snippet kind of was the, you know, acknowledging that everything has to go well, even though he's happy here without the full context of the quote. And I think that was maybe what, what got some people riled up. Tony, what do you have to say about all that? I definitely didn't help. <laughs> I, I agree. I think the, the, the argument is, I guess, against my opinion or whatever my, my thoughts on this is that why are we worrying about this now? And I totally understand that. This is a two-year away issue. The only reason I even bring it up or talk about it is because I was someone who was already kind of skeptical about the Tyrese Halliburton trade from the beginning. And one of the reasons why was not just that Sabonis might not resign in two years, but like Jerry said, the Kings could decide to that paying him the five-year max is not worth it. Or who knows, a, a bunch of things could go wrong. Whereas Tyrese Halliburton has more team control. And if he is an all-star and there's, you know, a, a, a less narrow window with that path. So these comments by Demonte Sabonis didn't, they certainly didn't surprise me. And I think what he's saying is uh, sure. exactly, you know, how it's going to go down. If the Kings are good, they're going to keep him. And if something is bad, then Sabonis might leave. That's, I wouldn't say I was shocked. I was more um, kind of just pointing it out, I guess, in that, hey, this is kind of at least part of the reason why this trade was, uh, I don't know, risky because this guy, you don't control his destiny. He's an unrestricted free agent in two years. And, and he's telling you, he's telling you it in English that, that that's the circumstances. So whereas again, Tyrese Halliburton restricted, it's not, it's not that complicated, at least my uh, perspective on it, but I guess that's kind of why I, I pointed it out only because the Tyrese Halliburton trade, even to this day, um, you know, I don't know who's going to win that. And you, you shouldn't know who's going to win a trade after a month. It's going to take years to find out who won the trade, but uh but I just believe in, in Tyrese and, and think that that route maybe would, would have been more successful. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. I, I think the last thing on, on that too, is it, and, and I agree with Tony. I mean, obviously that's, that was one of the real values of Tyrese, you know, you have control of him uh, for so much longer and all that. Uh, and it's also true though. It's like with a player like Sabonis and the history kind of proves this too, is that, that, Generally, even if you think you're going to lose him, you can always do sign and trade. So you probably aren't going to, you're probably not going to come out empty, you know, with a player of his caliber. And so, so it's, you know, it's a little bit like the, the deal the Kings did some years ago with Tito Turkaloo to get, to get Brad Miller, you know, and I mean, it's like, well, yeah, you know, you came out ahead for a while in the long run, you didn't, but, uh, but it made, but it, it certainly made sense at the time. And, and, and uh, 
in the long run, you know, he'd always, you know, probably the better player, but he wasn't better for three or four years. And, and, and that's what was important to the Kings at the time. So uh, I wouldn't, I'm like, Tony, I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, you know, it's like uh, this team needs to get better. And if, uh, if, if he, he can't help you get better, then at some point, uh, then maybe it, it is a mistake, but it's also, it's also true is that as much as we like Tyrese, I mean, uh, he's not a sure hall of famer, you know, I mean, it's, uh, there, there's steps to be taken there. <laughs> and I think that as fans, we all just automatically assume guys will just go from point, uh, this, this point to the next point to the next point, just get better and better and better. Now that's what you hope. And, and certainly with, uh, Steph Curry's and, uh, Steve Nash's and some of those guys, they did, but for the Brandon Jennings's and the Tyreek Evans's, and you can go on and on and on of guys that didn't. And so that would look like sure things. That's all I'm saying. You know, I always say when, when people I like to read these things, when people say they know something, they don't, yeah. you know, the only thing I know for sure is that I don't know something for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I just wanted to get your, I, I saw a, a message from Bryant. So I wanted to, to ask you about this, Jerry, before we, we, before we get down, you, you were talking about a uh, youth that didn't quite improve. So we, we kind of danced around the, the NBA draft coming up here and a Bryant wanted to know, so I'm going to ask it here out loud. Do you have a darling yet? Do you have somebody that you've really clued in on whether that's King centric or not in terms of who you want to see uh, play in the NBA? Yeah, I watched him today. I've kind of been intrigued by him. Just have, I don't like I say I don't study it like a lot of you guys. And man, I'll tell you right now, most of King Terrell people probably are better tuned in than I am, other than I just have old, experienced eyes. But uh, I like Keegan Murray a lot. That's the guy, you know, Jerry. Jerry. Every Kings fan of the world just realized why they still love you, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that he's he's a, he's a King centric favorite here in Sacramento right now. He's the darling right now. Yeah, he's the sure. darling for sure. So what do you think about him, Jerry? I, I just, uh, well, I just don't think he could miss. Yeah. You know, he fills a need. I think you could plug him in several places. Big time shooter. Uh, guy get getting better, you know, uh, uh, you know, a lot better. Uh, you know, seems certainly has the character and all that. But, you know, size, length, uh, uh, just big time shooter, big time shooter. Uh, with and, and I mean, to me, you, you could see where like it, you know, and I know that, you know, it might not be a seamless adjustment, but it'd be hard to not see him fitting in very quickly uh, in a very important role <laughs> very quickly. Tony, back him up. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, when I say earlier that I like don't want to trade the pick this year, it is 1000% because I just spent the last two days watching Iowa in the Big Ten tournament <laughs> and Keegan Murray uh, crushing it at a position that the Kings need exactly almost. I, I mean, uh, this is, uh, I guess, cutting into my game I watched this week because I've been watching a lot of Iowa. Um, and then just a quick plug for tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Saturday, Jaden Ivey versus Keegan Murray tomorrow in the Big Ten tournament final, two guys that could could be Kings picks um, in the draft this year. But Murray, just, I mean, he the, the game he played today against Saturday against Indiana was as about as flawless as you can play as the star of a college basketball team. He hit every big shot. He barely missed. He even got a, a charge at the end of the game that meant a lot uh, to, to getting Iowa into the next round. Everything you read about, and Mike Schmitz, who is uh, the scout for ESPN, has been tweeting about Keegan Murray a lot. Um, all the stuff about him as a leader and composure and keeping guys together, even after um, Jordan Bohannon hit the game-winning shot, you know, there were reports from behind the, the, the uh, bench about how Keegan Murray was getting the guys focused for, for the next stop, the final stop to close the game out. So everything you, you read or watch about that guy right now seems like the perfect player for the Kings and in classic Kings fashion where you are all going to fall in love with him over the next three months. And then he's going to get drafted right before they have a chance to pick him. So I'm not going to get my hopes up too much, but he's definitely the guy I'm watching right now. He, he's one of those guys that I, I, I try not to fall in love with only because I know he's going to, he's going to Scotty Barnes it. He's, 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 he's yeah, the right, most exactly. Scotty Barnes potential. And in, in, in the fact that like, Oh, he's right at the Kings, right at the Kings level. Like, okay. If he's really good and he's right where the Kings are, he's absolutely going to get drafted much higher than we expect him to. Well, well, you know, the, I think, too, the thing, and of course, as usual, I'd be wrong, but I, I'm glad that they've got this so-called big three. Uh, so they'll be taking one, two, and three. 
because I think there's uh, you know more risk in some of those guys than there is in Murray. For That's sure. just Jerry. I, I completely agree with that. So um, now we're going to go to our segment where I give Tony and Jerry, Tony, because you already mentioned it, I'm going to give you another chance to talk about it. I give uh, Tony and Jerry a chance to talk about another game, another team, any other storyline from the sports world or cooking, I guess, every once in a while that they've encountered over the last two weeks. The only rule is they do not get to talk about the Sacramento Kings. So, Tony, if you can talk about Keegan Murray and not and not mention the Sacramento Kings, you go right on ahead and I'll give you another couple minutes at it. I'll just say go watch the Big Ten final tomorrow. Uh, again, Jaden Ivey versus Keegan Murray, Purdue versus Iowa. Um, I love this Iowa team. I'm going to pick them to win the tournament, even though they probably won't, just because I've been watching so much of them the last week. And it's a really fun team to watch. Um, so I, I obviously watched that game against Indiana today. Uh, something I didn't know, maybe other people don't know this, or maybe if you're more plugged into college basketball, you already know this, but Jordan Bohannon, the dude that hit the, the game-winning miracle half-court bank three, is the has the most games played in college basketball history. Wow. So I think it'd be pretty fun for that guy to finally win it all in the tournament. I guess we'll, again, unlikely, but we'll see what happens. But I thought that was a fun little nugget from, from the Iowa team that they have the dude that somehow has played more college basketball games than literally anyone ever. And I looked it up after the game. I think it's by, he's got like eight more games than the guy in second place, and he's still got a few more to go. So, so good for him. Jerry, what about you? Well, I, I want to talk about uh, Greg Popovich passing uh, Don Nelson for the all-time uh, wins total. Uh, uh, certainly well-deserved, and, and I'm glad he did it. I mean, I like Nelly, and Nelly was a hell of a coach. But but Pop, you know, is the best. And, uh, you know, he not only won, has won the most games, but five championships with a small market team. Uh, of course, Olympics, too. But, uh, but I think that's just a remarkable achievement. Uh, certainly more to come. Uh, uh, you know, special, special coach. Uh, in fact, he's from Indiana also helps him a little bit, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I used to always kid him about that, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think, you know, and, 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 you know, as fans, uh, you know, you, you, you see his teams and they're not very lately, not very talented, but they, uh, for the most part, they, they play pretty darn hard and pretty smart. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I think he's always been an outstanding developer of players, you know, from the, not just obviously the Duncans and the Parkers, the Nobles and the Robinsons, they didn't need a lot of development. They just need the opportunity to play. Uh, but I mean, guys like DeJounte Murray, who is, uh, I, I really think honestly, is better than uh, De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> now, when you when you look yeah. at the total package, you know, because he's a, mm -hmm. a more of a leader in that in natural, and I hope uh, to be wrong on that as time goes. But I I think that is true, and I think that's a lot. You know, you can lay at the feet of the head coach, and uh, so sometimes we talk about value of coaching, and 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 I I think with Popovich, there's clear value there. Having said that, in fairness, uh, when he didn't have. Duncan or Robinson, they won 21 games one year. <laughs> so, so he, he was just like the rest of us dumb shits. You know, if you haven't, if, if you haven't got them, you're, 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 you're going to struggle. Oh, that's great. Well, I wish, I wish I had gone first, Jerry, because I'm going to end this one on a, on a dour note here, or I guess the haters note here. Um, the game I want to talk about is the, the net Sixers game uh, uh, that occurred, you know, uh, the big Ben Simmons back in Philly game in which Ben Simmons didn't mm -hmm. pay or didn't play. You know, you had you had Philly fans pay two hundred dollars plus for the for the highest seats uh, in, in the Wells Fargo Center, and you had people paying tens of thousands of dollars for courtside seats that game, and and Philly got their got their asses handed to them, and the Nets who I have no I have no stake in that race. I think they're you know they're I think they're both evil teams in my mind. Like I don't root for either of those two teams, but it was really nice at least to see the Philly fans. We were pretty high and mighty about about James Harden, who did not play well, and Joel Embiid and their prospects going forward. It was nice to see them get knocked down a peg. Uh, you know, I wish it was uh, from somebody other than Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving because I don't root for them either. But it's like if you're watching the two school bullies fight, two kids that you really don't like that much, it's like I wish they'd both get knocked out in this one. But it was nice to see one get absolutely trucked. And if it had to be James Harden, that's fine. I'm happy with that. Boy, hey, I'll tell you what, I'm glad you brought that up. And yeah. I, I thought that one of the joy, joys for me was, you know, that that basically guys like Drummond and Curry yeah. were just dismissed. Yes. As like didn't they didn't count. 
Well, I think uh, the Sixers got a pretty good view of what counts because <laughs> Curry kicked just shot the shit out of it, and they and they miss it, you know. And that, I mean, he as much as his brother is great, and everybody knows he's great. This guy gets really uh, uh, disrespected way too much for the caliber of <laughs> of NBA player he is. I've never, I mean, it's really just not been fair. But uh, so I enjoyed that, and and I guess one point I got to make, I, I've always said I, the thing that always struck me with Harden. And, and I hope he fails for this. He, uh, I really do. I, I wish him the worst. Uh, he, I mean, he quit on two teams. Sure. Now he didn't just leave two teams. I mean, Durant's left a couple teams, but he never quit on them. He played. Uh, this guy actually quit play in order to, 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 to get out of that. And I always said, if you're going to build your franchise around a guy who's proven to quit when things didn't go the way he wanted, don't be surprised if it doesn't go well. That's all. So anyway, which means he'll probably average 80 yeah. points the rest of the way or something. But I, but I, I mean, and I know he's one of the marvelous talents sure. in the last 10 years, but, but I still say he quit on two teams. Don't Absolutely. dismiss that. Okay. So Jerry, we've got one more thing before we get to the Patreon only because uh, the Kings posted this today and I would, I would, I could not live with myself if I did not ask about it first. Now we might have to edit around this because Tony might have to share his screen or something like that to find it. Um, but we have a picture of you holding a sign. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, 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 um, uh, just as handsome, maybe a little bit younger, Jerry Reynolds holding a sign that says, is Jerry Reynolds a great coach or what? And you happen to also be holding a Budweiser in your left hand with a nice, beautiful gold pocket watch and a beautiful kind of a gray purple tie. And I don't know if you recognize this picture. I think you're sitting on a trainer's table, but Tony is going to share with you the picture. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. And we want the we want the story <laughs> behind this picture. If you know what this is, yeah, there was. A, I I remember that's in the uh, I think you know was in, in Arco early on in Arco the the second Arco and uh, and anyway somebody had that sign and they gave it to our trainer, Billy Jones at that time. And, and, you know, he got as big a kick out of it. And I, and he said here and, and, you know, gave it to me. And I said, I was 40 had, I was on my second beer then, by the way. And uh, <laughs> somebody speculated you were on your eighth. Jerry. No, well, that was to come later. Uh, those are, those were the glory <laughs> days when I could drink seven or eight before I got diabetes. But, uh, and I've always told this story. I said, that's what my doctor said. Well, you can still drink one or two. And I said, what's the point? Uh, if, if so, I don't drink at all. Hardly. I mean, I'll maybe a beer a month, but anyway, so yeah. So that was always the way in those days they kept beer in the locker room now they don't uh, at all which is which is good uh, but but anyway so so it's free free beer and and some and some poor soul thought i was a great coach <laughs> so <laughs> so anyway yeah well jerry we're gonna have to remake this sign you know that right we're gonna have to we're gonna have to have a sign that says is jerry reynolds a great podcaster or what well uh, the probably uh, it'd be just as true as that silly sign was uh, it's, it's a, <laughs> say he's got a he's got a chance at mediocre mediocrity if he improves that picture made me so happy <laughs> seeing that picture was so was such a great <laughs> thing i'm so glad they can share that yeah. i wonder what else they have in their vault but they got to keep giving us more of that yes yeah and i hope they I, I hope they keep a lot of stuff on me in the vault uh, <laughs> but uh there is no chance. Uh, whatever money I make from these ventures, I'm going to pay the kids to get that out. <laughs> oh, that was, I need to see you. Yeah, no, that was. I appreciate it. I, I, that did bring back kind of pleasant memories. You know, to be honest with you, you know. Well, good. We're we're happy to hear that. I just I saw it today, and, and Tony and I agreed like we could not we could not go more than more than a couple of hours without asking you what in the world was going on with that picture. <laughs> so, uh, Tony, I guess we'll send it over to you now for a. For a lesser, obviously, pa Patreon question of the day. Yes. Uh, every episode of this podcast, we ask one question from our patrons at uh, patreon.com slash kingsherald. Every question you guys submit will get asked to Jerry, either on the main show here or once a month, we do an exclusive Q&A on Patreon where we ask all the rest of the questions. But this week's question comes from California Jag on Twitter. And he says, um, 
Does Jerry believe it's easier to find players to fit a Fox Sabonis pairing or a Fox Halliburton pairing? Did Monty make his job easier or harder this offseason? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I think it's tough either way, uh, you know, and I, I think one thing I wasn't, I had been very sure that the Fox Halliburton thing would, would work, but uh, the more time went on, I wasn't nearly sure of that, to be honest with you. Not, not because of Halliburton, probably more because of Fox. Uh, he just didn't seem to be working. So on that, on that basis alone, I, I think it's probably going to be easier with uh, Sabotis and, and, and Fox. And, and, and probably the main reason, just the fact that Sabonis has a skill set that the Kings you know, did not have and were not likely to get in any other way. And so, and they certainly needed it. So, you know, it, I, I guess I would, uh, you know, I've always said I'd kind of treat this trade kind of like in my mind, uh, Jason Williams for Mike Bibby. Uh, Jay Will was my favorite player, you know, and, and he went on to have a great career and, and as a, a world champion. Uh, but the, the, the Bibby thing, worked for the Kings and made the Kings better. And it was the right trade at the right time, but uh, both, both players benefited. And that's, that's uh, kind of what you, what you want to see. Well, what do you think about that? I think, and now this is, this is again coming from, from the, from a notorious tanker like me, but I think the nice thing on paper with Fox and Hallie was time, maybe not with Fox, but with Halliburton that you had time to build a team around either both of them or, or Halliburton. You couldn't, you know, I mean, if, if you're going to, if you're going to tank, you know, if Fox, Fox might a couple of years from now decide, Hey, I want out. I've been here six, seven years and it's time to go. Okay. That's fine. Halliburton is still young enough that we could have uh, Monty McNair could have traded Fox for picks or for a young wing or somebody, you know, that there was value in Fox as a player. So you, you could still build around the guy that's younger. Uh, the 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 difficulty there is that's on paper, and I think as we've come to realize with with this trade deadline passing that maybe in reality there just never was going to be that much time. That with the way ticket yeah. sales are going and with the way you know who knows what sponsorships are like, that that there could just be something in the background that hey we do not have you know as as much as they might see the path as like yeah they they should tank that's probably the logical thing to do, they might not have had the the money to withstand that, or, you know, just Monty McNair did not have that as an option because the Sacramento Kings said, we do not have that as an option. And in that case, you know, McNair, yeah, this is the difficult path to, to, to build around because he's got to thread a needle that's 178 games wide. But, but on top of that, they just, it might've been the only reality that exists. And, and, you know, I'd much rather have a franchise in Sacramento and have them try it this way than, for whatever reason, not, or to have the Kings sink so low that they're sold to somebody else or, or dragged out somewhere else. And, and, you know, it's, that's the bummer. That's the hard part about being a franchise that's lost 16 years in a row, but maybe the reality of their situation that they believed is that they didn't have the time to, to have patience. And, and in that case, you know, McNair picked a decent path. He got a, he got a two-time all-star for, for the 10th pick, you know, and I know that's whittling it down way too far, but it's decent value. And, 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 hopefully the Kings have something up their sleeve where they can, they can build it here in the next off season, because it's certainly a difficult path, maybe not the most difficult, but it's, it's not easy by any means. You know, you make up great points there. Uh, well, I mean, one thing I've noticed is like, and I don't know if people are aware of this, but the Kings now are 30th in attendance dead last. Uh, you know, they passed the Pacers <laughs> were, were dead last. So two, uh, two, two franchises that, uh, definitely uh you know are losing their fan base now of course with the, with the, there's so much more competition for basketball in indiana mm -hmm. than there is here but but i but but i think it's it, it to say it's not a significant thing it's just can't be true it, it is significant you know and i know with local tv deal uh coming up soon rumors that they, they won't you know be one of their few small markets or few markets that probably will get a worse tv deal going forward mm -hmm. on the so, so there's, there is, there are considerations and, and, you know, uh, and, and the last point uh, to me is money doesn't, he's not worried past 178 yeah. games, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, that, that, that's got to keep that in mind. He's, 
he knows that his clock is running. Uh, you know, he doesn't have five years to, 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 to build this thing. So, so there's that, but, uh, you know, just gotta, like I said, all he's gotta do is just go get Bobby Portis, <laughs> draft Keegan Murray, pick up another free agent. Damn, me and Tony got this thing. We got it wired, Easy. buddy. No big deal. Jerry, I don't want to call Indiana, um, uh, folks from Indiana weak because, you know, Lord knows I have a, a greater appreciation for him now than ever before. But in the time that it's taken the Kings to get to the playoffs one time, they've been to the playoffs nine times. So if they are losing their, if they're, if the franchise is losing their fan base after nine playoff appearances in the last 16 years, including a what one or two or three uh, conference finals appearances in the, in the last 16 years, I'm not going to call them weak, Jerry, but I'm going to say they need to, they need to step it up a little bit. They need to have a little bit more heart. I know it's been two years since they've been to the playoffs and that Nate Bjorkman year was tough. But they just mm-hmm. got off of a run with with McMillan going for four or five years. I think they can handle a couple more years outside the playoffs. I, I agree with you. I mean, really, they you know the the problem there is uh, they everybody's a basketball genius in Indiana. They <laughs> think true. you know they they make the King Harold guys uh, pale in comparison. <laughs> uh, 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 but but uh, but they uh, you know I, I mean in. in there is other, it's a smaller market than Sacramento. And plus, you know, you've got Indiana University of Butler that all draw crowds, high schools that draw a, a huge amount of, so from a basketball, there's a lot of competition, not even counting the Colts sure. uh, that are there, that that really doesn't, but mostly it's, they're spoiled. You're right, they're spoiled. That they, they, you know, to me, Indiana, like, like San Antonio, Utah, basically their their down periods are two and three yeah. years, yeah. and which proves you can yeah. do it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and it proves you can do it, and they do it by drafting tenth, twelfth, and you know the yeah. Paul Georges the tenth, and Miles Turner twelfth, and this, that, and the other. So yeah, they. But but you are correct, and I, I agree with you. There's a bunch of front runners in Indiana, <laughs> yeah. and 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 not all of them in Indiana. Some of them moved to Sacramento. <laughs> uh, okay, Jay. so uh, I plead I plead guilty to that too. <laughs> Jay, let's roll over to you for the uh, for the wrap up this week. Well, uh, I I think the the only thing kind of frustrating to me is just watching the games now as much as I and on all. NBA, uh, uh, all the complaining about calls. I've talked about this before, but I really think that the NBA, the Player Association, the commissioner, they've got to get a handle on this. This isn't, uh, this serves no purpose. Uh, uh, Complaining and uh, confronting the official on every call. We know they miss calls, uh, but, uh, you know, it's taken away from the game. And then it's it's working its way down in the college and high school game where kids think they're supposed to complain about every call and show emotion about every call. And uh, I just, I just think it's, uh, they need to get a reset here. And, uh, you know, it's like, hey, you, uh, where only the head coach can talk to officials or maybe the captain or designated captain can have a word, take away the emotionality of it and because i mean invariably fans think they're always think when their guys are getting screwed and then when they go talk to official that just proves it you know that they're getting screwed and and then of course i think honestly announcers and some of ours in particular you know it's always well they drew contact no call well the reason there wasn't a call it wasn't a foul you know (laughs) that's called a no call uh, you know, the, the, the guard maybe drove in there and created the contact, but it, you know, rather than call a, a foul unnecessarily, it, they don't call it, you know, and I mean, it's like, come on. Uh, anyway, so I, I got that off my chest, uh, you know, but I, I, I do, I think those things, I, I look at the health of the game going forward. Now, I don't see how this is benefiting the game. You know, you've got the greatest players we've ever seen playing. I'm not one of those old people that think, 1980 is better than it is now. There's more talent now, different game, and not necessarily a better game, but a different game and fun. Uh, but uh, hey, to get control of it, let the officials try to call the game as best they can because it's impossible to call. And guess what? 
the best teams will win the most games. Now, this is a jolt to most of you out there. The best teams will win the most. The refs are not the reason why the Kings have only won 24 games. Uh, and, and, the, and the Phoenix Suns have won 50. You know, one team is actually better than the other. Just the a ref, thought. Just, just for reference, though, Jerry, the refs are the reason why the Kings haven't won a championship in Sacramento, though, right? That is a fact. <laughs> that is an absolute fact. <laughs> Jerry, what, I, what did you think about the Sabonis suspension? Do you think that was deserved? No, not really. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's sometimes the letter of the law is is a little bit over the top. You know what I mean? I, I think mm-hmm. that was uh, it's like, well, we got to do it. But I, I, I didn't see that that call for a fine maybe would have been just fine. Would have taken care of it. But because uh, certainly I don't think he has a reputation. We're not, you know, there's certain guys you you would would because they've got a reputation for doing that sort of thing so so i thought that was a little unfair but uh you know uh good lesson for for demonis and uh you know so you know it's like the the thing too i'd say with in his case i think he he gets fouled a lot or not a lot but some that's not called but he also fouls uh he dislodges people uh you know i I will tell people that there's a rule that says if a defender is set you can't just bully him backwards. <laughs> and, yeah. and Sabonis is so strong, much like a smaller shack or something. But, you know, you see it as like, and, and other teams get by with it too. But but to me, that's a foul. That's a foul. And so the Kings get the benefit of that uh, quite a bit. So, you know, that's the way it works. Sometimes uh, it helps you, sometimes it doesn't. But anyway, anyway, I appreciate you listening to my rant on that. I know, <laughs> I, know uh, I know that is my, that is my get off the lawn kind of thing there because I remember when you know if you really you can go back and look at the game in the 80s and 90s and they didn't do that they simply really didn't I mean uh, it'd be a minor like walk up to official and ask say something but it wasn't an every every play emotional outburst of some type so Mm -hmm. so you know it's like yeah you can play really good basketball without doing that you know, Jerry, this gave me an opportunity at a one hour and five minutes in to mention my second favorite team, the Oklahoma City Thunder. So, no, I appreciate your rant because uh, Gilgis Alexander uh, for for the Thunder, he he's kind of famous in OKC for not complaining about calls. He's just one of those guys that just doesn't do it. And I know you don't have any excuse to watch the Thunder play if it's not against the Kings. But if you ever have a chance and you there's absolutely nothing on television that night and you're flipping through the channels and you see the Thunder playing, watch him because he's he's just one of those guys that just – it doesn't affect him. You know, they, they don't call a foul or they call a foul. He's almost never animated about that kind of thing. And it almost stands out in a weird way where you're like, wait, hold on a second. Aren't you going to complain about that one? And he just kind of chugs back on defense. And it's weird enough to the point where reporters will talk about it. They'll ask him, why don't you complain? Yeah. that You know, Davion Mitchell's a little bit like that. Really. I really appreciate that. I always thought Tyreek Evans was one of the best we had here early, you know, when he was, he just, he just uh, really didn't spend time with that. And I, and I think most players would benefit not spending time with that. Just focus on your game. Absolutely. Well, for everyone here at, uh, at the King Charles Show, I want to thank you for uh, listening to another uh, episode of us uh, ranting and raving about everything and uh, and discussing uh, just how long it'll take for the Kings to get back to to relevancy uh, to anyone outside of uh, outside of uh, Sacramento County. Um, we will uh, we'll see you in two weeks, and uh, whether that's a win, lose, or draw, we'll we'll be here to talk about it. So, uh, thank you so much for listening, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you guys. God, I feel better now. I mean, I'm, I got it all out of my system. I'll be okay for a while. You got to store it up for two more weeks now. Jay. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to definitely make a shirt. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to make a shirt, Jerry, with that, with you holding that sign too. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, <laughs> we'll see. It'll be a bestseller at that one. <laughs> well, that's, that's like the shirt that uh, uh, had a shirt that I was sitting for. Well, they sold for a while with the three R's. Reynolds, Russell Reynolds and Reed when I was, <laughs> oh, you know, incredible. I thought, man, 
that's that's what what about this picture doesn't fit <laughs> man that's a great shirt, but that's though. a great shirt gonna bring one back. yeah i gotta yeah. find that shirt now oh, I've, I've got one I, I kept that because that I, I thought man that's that is a nice little memento yeah that's great see now we could do that again jerry with with me you and tony and there'd be two people that's that that stand out there that don't belong and you're the one yeah, that like, does, so well they, you know they the i know we're going over here but but the uh the interesting thing about that i got the very first shirt that was uh printed because it was printed in salem indiana by the way oh. and the guy that was in charge of the uh the, the company at that time was a guy named mark bird larry's older brother oh wow and and and, and that's the honest truth you talk about uh, you know small world irony and things like sure. that and he said and he he said he said i figured you ought to get the first one so <laughs> so he sent it oh, to that's me. great how neat <laughs> 